The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. And welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast, proudly presented by NBC Sports Edge. My name is DJ Short. My usual co-host, Drew Silva, is getting married this weekend. Congratulations to Drew and Christine, by the way. So, pinch hitting this week is Chris Crawford, who you should be very familiar with if you listen to Circling the Bases on a, on a regular basis. He, he's around. Yeah. He does stuff, Zara. Yeah. So, uh, I uh, hit him up, and he was... He was uh, very gracious uh, to come on the show tonight. Uh, so thanks, Chris. I could have said no. That was that, <laughs> you, that was actually an option. You rarely I, say no. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I knew I could rely on you. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. This is three podcasts in a row. So I'm I'm both thankful for everybody listening, and I'll apologize because they're probably sick in my face a little bit, but. Uh, it's always a pleasure to hop on with you, sir. The the Iron Man of of baseball <laughs> yeah. podcast, Some, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so we are live on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel right now, as well as the NBC Sports Edge Twitch page. So welcome to our audiences there. And just for context, in case you're listening to the audio version of the show, we're recording Thursday night, September sixteenth. The Mets aren't playing, so my anxiety level's a little bit lower right now, although I'm watching the Giants and and the Washington football team. I I should say for the record, if you don't know this, I'm a Washington football fan and a Mets fan, which is like maybe the most toxic combination of fandom you could possibly have, but that's that's what I've lived with for 30x number of years. I won't skip my exact age. I not a lot going on with those franchises over the last uh, 20 years in terms of uh, things happening on and off of the field. There's always something happening. I'm I'm entertained. Yeah, I I can. I've learned how to like tell jokes to to mask my pain. (laughs) The the mask, the the mask man is DJ short at his best. I will say I went to Old Dominion for a year. And so I'm obligated to root for Taylor Heisman key, as we like to call him. Uh, it's 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 not looking so good so far. Oh, we'll see. He he he's fun. Yeah, uh, but he sometimes, is fun. yeah, he is he is a very uh, skilled improviser. Yes, which actually just makes me super anxious all the time because you right. never know how it's going to turn out. Uh, uh, and there's already person, been a couple of occasions tonight where it hasn't. As a person who roots for Russell Wilson every week, I totally understand the fear of anticipate and anticipation that you get from improvisation. That's for sure. Yeah, totally. So uh, why I have Chris here. So we are going to uh, talk about Dynasty League targets for 2022. 
getting toward the end of, of this 2021 regular season, you know, usually we wrap up the year, you know, that kind of stuff. We'll get to that as September moves along here. You guys have already started that, you and you and Colin. But I wanted to talk about some players who I, I, I guess they get thrown in that category of like post hype or buy right. low, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it could be young players who've underperformed so far in the majors. It could be prospects who, you know, maybe going into even 2020 had a, you know, you know, high expectations, but since sure. then have, have disappointed a little bit. So we'll get into that. Before we do that, we have a special offer for our listeners. You can use promo code BASES10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge Plus. Can be either monthly or annual and for any tier. It also works across all sports. So, you know, baseball can help you down the home stretch here, but, you know, football's underway. You can have this year-round all sports, so it's it's super, super handy. Uh, so remember, it's promo code BASES10. You can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash premium to get started. So just kind of zooming out a little bit, I think there's probably some obvious names that that people want us to discuss. Sure. Uh, and this one might hurt both of us. I don't know. But we'll, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we'll start with like kind of the most obvious one because the expectations were so high um, going into the year. Everyone wanted Jared Kelnick to make the Mariners opening day roster. Didn't happen. You know, we know why, like the business reasons of that. Sure. But, you know, we finally get a look at him here and it's it's very uh, he's so he's very confusing. I, yeah. I, I don't I don't really know what to think other than to say he's 22 years old um, and, you know, losing 2020. Yeah, I, I, we don't really know what that does to a player, you know, not to have minor league games. I think in some cases, players at the alternate site improved you know they could add a new pitch or you know maybe they changed their stance to add more you know launch angle or whatever but like sure i i'm i don't really know what to think about him at this point what where are you because i know you watch the mariners probably more than me yeah it's it's a real tough one and i will say so if we're talking about 2022 i think jared kelnick's a little bit off my radar at least to start the year but I have very little long-term concerns with him. The, the most concerning thing for me here is, and it is a case of where I get to watch him a lot, is he just doesn't appear to be recognizing spin very well. There are a lot of curveballs that seem to be taken right down the middle of the plate. And I'm not just talking about like a small sample size here. Like he is getting beaten on pitches down the middle. And it's why I was confused why the Mariners sent him down in the first place. Because you can't replicate that. The whole thing about Major League Pitching is is you have to make the adjustments to Major League Pitching. Nothing in Tacoma was going to fix that. Have I seen flashes of life here? Sure. But if you look at like – and again, these numbers are not they're, – they're results-based. They're not exactly predictive. But he's in the bottom three percentile in expected batting average. He's in the bottom nine percentile in expected on-base average. You know, he, the ten homers are nice, the five steals, although he's been thrown out a bunch of times in his attempts as well. So long-term, I still like Jared Kelnick, but I think this might be, everybody thought this guy was a finished product. I think there's a little bit more work to be done, which is surprising, but that's baseball. It's just the way. Yeah. You, you just never know. Um, yeah. I think we all knew Wander Franco was like super polished and, and ready to go, but right. like, I think it just goes to show you never know yeah, <laughs> until, until they get up in the majors. You just don't know. And I, I think we've been spoiled by a number of the high-profile prospects. Um, players are coming up earlier 
and succeeding sooner uh, than they used to. So, no, this is just a case of a player who, you know, may need a year or two to really figure it out. Um, yeah. But, you know, 30% strikeout rate uh, hasn't really improved over the course of the season. Uh, he's been slugging a little better this month. Three homers, two doubles over the first couple of weeks here in September. Um, but still striking out a lot. Um, I, I think maybe the most, maybe not most confusing, but like his sprints, his sprint uh, speed is 47th percentile. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was a little faster than that. I did too. Yeah. And he got above average to plus grades in the minors as well. So that, that is something that, and look, this is just the way the human body works as you get, as you get older. Unfortunately, we all know that we tend to slow down. I don't have to have the, the middle school health talk with you to let you know that there are things that are going to happen. And I think that is a concern because one of the reasons why I was so high on, on fantasy was that I was thought he was going to be a 20, 15 to yeah. 25 stolen base guy. Yeah. Can't really count on that if you're putting up no. those kinds of run times, even though he gets rave reviews for his jumps and stuff like that. But yeah, it is concerning to see his sprint speed that low. I mean, I know he's he's ripped. Like he yeah. did he like did he bulk up too much? I like, bulked up a little bit too much. Like yeah. Victor Robles, like that's kind of been something that it's been discussed with him as well. I wonder if that's potentially a factor, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I actually saw an interesting poll question from Chris Clegg of Fantrax mm. earlier today. So he said, this is strictly a dynasty question. Uh, Jared Kalnick or Cedric Mullins, who would you take moving forward? That's a good one. I, I think I would probably take Mullins. Like, as, as good as I think Kalnick's going to be, I know what Cedric Mullins, I, th- I think I know what Cedric Mullins is anyway. I'm pretty sure that he's an above average regular there's a lot of question marks about Kelnick still. As, as much as I'm a prospect guy and as much as I believe in him long term, and there are just too many scouts that I've talked to that said that this guy was a sure thing for me to write him off after how many ever games this has been. Yeah. But there is concern. There, there is reason to believe, especially in fantasy baseball right now, what kind of player Jared Kelnick's going to be. That's a really interesting question. It is. It is. I mean, Mullins has the speed, which gives him a safe floor. He's in Baltimore. Right. Um, you know, gave up the switch hitting. There's so many narratives that I think gives him the edge. Mullins will be 27 in October. But I think the the thing that sometimes the trap you fall into in a dynasty league is chasing like five years down the road or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you're not playing to win relatively soon, like, What's the point? You know, like for me, I'm always most of the time I'm trying to win unless it's like absolutely clear that I don't have a chance. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The, um, the rebuilding, those stuff can take place in the middle of the season. It's yeah. there's the, the idea of being bad for like two to three years. Looking at you, some major league baseball teams, it, it's yeah. kind of silly, but especially in Dynasty where you can make lots of moves to make yourself a competitor really quick. Yeah, yeah, you can make you can go get a Jared Kelnick if he's better in a couple of years. The chances of you, if Cedric Mullick is good right now, of getting him much slimmer. Yeah. So another prospect who came up with high expectations, Jaron Duran with the mm-hmm. Red Sox, um, you know, really added some power this year in the minors. Uh, really hadn't done that before. Had to, did make some swing changes, uh, but. 40 strikeouts, four walks, and 112 plate appearances so far in the majors. Um, really struggled against left-handers as well, five for 27. Uh, these are small samples, obviously. Sure. Um, <laughs> but he's he's super fast. He's going to be really good. He's going to be a really good outfielder. Um, but I, I do wonder, 
the approach, you know, can he be a leadoff hitter? Because that's that's was part of the fantasy appeal with Duran was, was that he could take that over in Boston atop a really loaded lineup. I don't know if he's ready to do that next year. Yeah, I wouldn't count on it next year anyway. I think you're looking at more of a guy who's going to be hitting seventh or eighth and in a good lineup that can still produce some nice fantasy results. And I still think he can definitely still bases. I think he's in the 96th percentile in sprint yeah. speed the last time I checked, which is more than adequate enough to steal bases. He's a smart baseball player, which is why the, the lack of walks are a bit concerning. And so he's going to make have to make an adjustment. This isn't quite like the Ryan Mountcastle adjustment that needed to be made where he just flat out didn't walk where he was in the minors, but he is going to have to start seeing more pitches. I think he can do it, but I think you're looking at more of a average starting outfielder next year. And then as the approach grows and hopefully it does again, you just never know. I think he could become that plus fantasy outfielder in time. So a prospect that hasn't reached the majors yet, but or I don't think he, yeah. Mackenzie Gore with the Padres. Uh, I think the Padres could use him right now, or I don't know uh, yeah. that they go out and sign, you know, Jake Arrieta, Vincent Velasquez, you know, kind of shows where they are right now in pitching wise. And I'm sure they'd love to have Gore as an option, but um, you know, he originally went down the blister on his, his finger, but I think the bigger issue has been the uh, mechanics and, and command um, the results have been kind of mixed in the minors since he, he's come back. Um, but he's another guy, you know, going into 2022, I, another play where I really don't know what to think. It's a really tough situation here because like from all of the reports I got, they're making a pretty significant change to his delivery. And that uh, there's a couple of reasons that concerns me. One, it's hard to change your delivery. Like pitching a baseball is a difficult thing to maintain your to, to stay in line and all of that stuff is very difficult. But it's also one of the reasons why he was so good was he was so deceptive with that delivery. Like it was very difficult to pick up the baseball. But you look at it, he's since he's come back to triple A, he's walked nine batters in his last two starts. And that's just not going to he has very good stuff. But this isn't a guy who we'll talk about later. This isn't like Nate Pearson dominating swing and miss stuff it's very good stuff that he needs to be able to command and the command looked so good in the lower minors but i don't want to say yips because it wasn't quite that bad where he just had absolutely no idea where the ball was going but he isn't commanding anything and that's concerning because it makes him more of at his best to me like a back-end starter now if he refines that form and let's keep in mind he's still only 22 years old but I, I have real question marks about what exactly Gore is going to be long term to say that I'm <laughs> I would never saw this coming based on what we saw in 2020. He looked like as sure of a thing as a pitching prospect is. But look, there's a lot of work to be done before Gore is ready to be an actual major league starter. And I think that uh, leads in pretty well to another prospect who had high expectations coming into the year. Jeter Downs. Came over from the Dodgers in the Mookie Betts trade, and was someone that I think people expected to make to the make it to the majors this year with that power speed combo. Um, but in AAA, I don't know how much people have like paid attention. More casual fans, maybe not. Uh, Downs is hitting 177 in AAA. Yeah, um, strikeout rate almost 33 um, percent. So I I think that might be a case of. You know, the Red Sox were aggressive. They put him in AAA, um, you know, after a year where there's no minor league season. Should they have put him in AA? I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I wonder if they would wish for a do-over on that. 
Yeah, I think I wonder about that too because he is—he's twenty-three. He'll turn twenty-four next July, so he's—he does still have some time. But man, he's looked. The reports I've gotten just basically lost at the plate right now, and just like the power is legit. The power was never a question mark with him, but there's two things that really concern me about Downs. One is the fact that I—I I, I had question marks about the hit tool starting. They're obviously been. Uh, Add much more concerns now, considering his average was 276 in 2019 and 177 this year, as he said. The other question mark here is where he's going to play, because it doesn't look like he's going to be the shortstop there. So you're talking about a second baseman. I'm not even sure he's their best second base prospect right now. I I would probably say Nick York is probably their best prospect at that position right now. And that might be where Marcelo Mayer ends up playing as well. So this is this is something where I the change of scenery thing probably gets overstated a little too much, but for downs to become a regular and to maybe reach his potential, I think he might need to change organizations. Interesting. Um, All right. So let's get into some young players that we each have optimism about uh, going into next year. I'm going to start us off. I'm going to say Alex Kirilov with the twins. Uh, We'll be 24 years old in November um, you know, the numbers in his debut this year were not overwhelming by any means. Hit 251 with a 722 OPS, had wrist surgery in July to end his season. But, you know, going under the hood, what we saw was pretty impressive. Um, average exit velocity 91 miles per hour, barrel rate of 12.8%, hard hit rate of 43.9%. You know, those numbers, I'm not giving you the context, but the quality of contact very good. His XBA actually sat at 288. So again, batting average 251, XBA at 288. That's telling you that quality contacts there. Strikeout rate, you know, he held his own 22.5%. Um, you know, with that quality of contact leading the way, if the wrist comes back strong going into next year, I think he could have a, a breakout season. He's one I'd target. And a lot of these players I'm going to mention have kind of that injury angle. And, and what I think is interesting about targeting young players coming off injuries is like there's no there's no real roadmap to where to put those players so when i'm in a dynasty league i kind of look for the managers who maybe are don't really have them as part of their game plan for next year uh, aren't necessarily counting on them for next year so they're kind of maybe more likely to deal those players uh so that's why i consider i'm leading off with Kirilov, but you'll see a theme throughout my players it's a good way to lead off too. Like I like Alex Kirilov a lot. Like it's kind of interesting how he's changed when he was drafted in a couple of years in the minors, it was hit tool above power, like showed like a 70 grade hit tool. Don't think he's ever going to be that because he's, he's more about the loft now, but my only concern with him again would be the injury angle that you brought up that he has had issues with injuries in the minors as well. And he's dealt with some nagging stuff in the major leagues, but very much believer in his long-term bat. Uh, and I very much believe in the guy that I'll bring up right now is Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm, the concerns with me, with him, are not fantasy-related. They're real-life related. He's a bad defensive player. He is not a good third baseman. Don't think he's even going to be a good first baseman. There's talk about him playing left field in the long-term. Okie dokie. I, I just really have some question marks about how that's going to work because this is not, you know, he's sprint speed is 69th percentile, but I don't think athleticism is the strong suit of Bohm. But you look at it, the numbers here, like 245, 302, 342, very disappointing after he just lit the world on fire in his uh, in his brief time in 2020. 
but a lot of bad luck here. Average exit velocity, 91st percentile. Hard hit percentile, 90th percentile. You don't hit 245 with a 90th percentile without some bad luck. It needs to improve some patience at the plate, and I'm still not quite sure what we're going to see from him in terms of power. Like, he can hit the ball out to the opposite field. I'm looking here. It looks like he has more homers here to the opposite field than he does to the pole side. But uh, I do believe in his bat very much long term. I would guess he's closer to a 270, 280 hitter with 20 to 25 homers next year. People are going to give up on him, and I think that's a mistake based on the 407 plate appearances he had this year. Yeah, I think the good news is that there's likely to be a DH in the National League that's next season. Um, so that frees him up there. So, you know, if he's off the radar, he's a player you take a chance on. He makes a lot of hard contact, like you said, um, a lot of it being on the ground. But you look at him, he's a little lanky right now. But, you know, with that body type. Sure, he's going to fill out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the power is going to come. And, you know, we know that quality of contact's already there. Um, so, yeah, I think I think he makes sense as a buy low price, post hype, whatever, whatever category you want to put them in. Uh, he was on my initial list before you stole him. I had to do so. it, man. To do it. <laughs> so next up for me is Dustin May. Uh, just turned 24 years old. Of course, had Tommy John surgery. Back in May, probably not going to be an option for the Dodgers until around midseason next year. And that's why I like him. That's why sure. I think he's a great target in a dynasty league because you're going to see managers be like, well, you know, I, I'm not going to have him in April. Like, I want I want my rotation filled out to start the year. You know what I mean? So maybe he's someone who's expendable. Um, you know, it, it differs from league to league and manager to manager, but I think he's someone you could potentially pry away. Had a 2.74 ERA, 35 strikeouts, six walks in 23 innings through his first five starts this season. Finally, turning that insane velocity into strikeouts, missing bats, um, you know, keeps the ball on the ground with his sinker, but he actually upped the usage of his four seamer and curveball this season to excellent results. Small sample, but I would have loved to see, you know, a full season. The Dodgers let him go. That probably won't be next year, but if you're willing to be a little bit patient, you know, I think he has top 20 starter upside. Absolutely does. Yeah, I love Waluigi so much. That guy is just <laughs> so fun to watch. And um, it was it always seemed a little ridiculous to me that we were too concerned about him missing bats just because the stuff was so good. And he commands it pretty well, too. It oh, just, yeah. He just wasn't having a heck of a lot of luck of finishing off hitters with two strike counts. But he was getting plenty of weak contact. I, I like Dustin Bay a lot. I think he has a chance to be an absolute top of the rotation starter someday. And I think he's, that's an excellent point about the fact that fantasy managers are not exactly the most patient folks in the world. But if you're patient with Dustin May, you have a chance. You have to be real patient with this guy, uh, Jesus Lazardo. And I'll be the first to admit that, like, I was extremely high on Lazardo. Lots of people were, so I'm not, I'm not alone on this. And I've been very disappointed with the results so far. Make, got traded in the deal for Starling Marte, which kind of shows you what Oakland was thinking about Lizardo long term. It also kind of speaks to the fact that they didn't have to pay for Starling Marte, so they would have probably given up a lot of prospects because that organization is super cheap. But I still very much believe in Lizardo long term. Uh, excellent stuff. It hasn't been a question of stuff with him. Uh, the, the whiff percentage this year is in the 75th. Uh, fastball velocity, he hasn't lost anything. 81st percentile in there, consistently usually in that 94 to 96 range. The command's been bad, and I don't understand it because this guy has a very simple delivery. So it makes me wonder, 
It's maybe the layoff in 2020 and the fact that he's dealt with a ton of injuries, too. But I'm still a big believer in him long term. I love what Miami has done with their pitching, giving him an offseason to work and stuff like that. I think his, his Lizardo can definitely be a helper in 2022. Yeah, I the Marlins are going to have more starters than rotation spots, really. Dude. It's crazy. It's going to be a lot of competition. <laughs> uh, and we didn't mention Sixto Sanchez. Like, I, I I don't know where to put him either, but so I I would not let him go if no. I had him. No, Sorry, that's a good point. Um, next up for me, Key Brian Hayes. Um, it would have been silly to put him in this category a year ago because he looked like a budding superstar, but... Uh, his 2021 season just hasn't worked out as hoped. Uh, he actually homered on opening day, which, you know, we thought that was the start of big things, but mm-hmm. went down in the second game of the season with left wrist inflammation. Didn't return until two months later. It was kind of a weird injury uh, where the Pirates were very vague about what was going on. Um, he actually came out of the gate hitting pretty well upon his return, but hit just 234 with a 638 OPS between July and August. Has turned things on a bit more recently, though. A lot of it's like empty batting average kind of stuff. Not really driving the ball. I think he has one barrel this month, even though he's hitting over 300. Um, Still, I wonder if just the batting average could sort of impact any trade talk for him in a dynasty league this offseason. So selfishly, you know, that might not work out for me. But (laughs) overall, I'm willing to give Hayes a bit of a mulligan. You know, the belief is that he needed time and might still need time to regain that strength in his wrist. We saw how hard he hit the ball down the stretch last season. Uh, so I tend to believe in that, you know, if he gets a clean and healthy offseason, you know, comes into spring training, we'll see where he's at. But I, I think you can probably acquire him for a little less than a year ago. I think it could be tough, though. Uh, but I think he's one worth targeting. Oh, absolutely. I will point out this. The the one concern I have with Key Brian Hayes is in his six seasons in the minor leagues, the most homers he ever hit in a season was 10. Now, he's yeah. clearly tapped into his power more. It's, it's obvious just watching him. Um, love the pedigree, the, the son of a, a big leaguer. I mean, just I mean, to say he was impressive in that stint in 2020 is the understatement of understatements. And I've seen more than enough flashes here to suggest that he's going to be just fine. But I do think he's closer to a 15 to 20 homer guy than he is to a 25 to 30 homer guy. Yeah. But I think the benefit is and we've seen it. He's stolen seven bases. I, this guy has really good speed and is one of the best defensive third baseman in baseball already. And that does matter because it's going to keep him in the lineup every day. So you can take those 15 to 20 homers and I think you can add 15 to 20 steals. And I think that's a pretty nice uh, added benefit. Uh, The guy that I'm going to talk about next has no chance of stealing 15 to 20 bases, but he has a chance to hit a lot of homers. And that's Sam Huff. Uh, Huff's season basically got off to a very late start because of a foot injury. And then the, in a very, very, very lost season for the Rangers. They've decided to just have him play in double A for the rest of the year. But you saw what he did in 2020, especially slug 742, uh, a futures game MVP, prestigious power. Like he can hit the ball out to every part of every park as much raw power as any prospect in baseball should be able to stick behind the plate. Uh, it's, it's a little tough sometimes in catcher because you're only talking about playing usually 12 to 15 but I do think that Sam Tuff has the chance to be one of those catchers and come close to that range with his power maybe as soon as next year. 
Uh, yeah, good point. I, I know he's, stri he's striking out a lot, uh, a lot. down there, um, but the power, I mean, I, I, I see it on my Twitter feed all the time, the kind of yes. ridiculous raw power that he has. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think he could be a lot of fun. Uh, a name that really hasn't been much fun recently, but still one that intrigues me, Nick Senzel. Like, what do we, you could get him basically for free? That's yeah. that's the point in a dynasty league right now because um, you know the injuries have just followed him. Um, this year had uh, knee surgery in I, th I think it was late May, um, and it's continued to be an issue. I believe there's some like fluid buildup from his knee, um, so the Reds shut him down. Uh, I think he's still rehabbing in their at their spring training facility in, in Goodyear, Arizona right now, but he hasn't played in like a month. Um, so just sort of a, a lost season for him on the surface. But when healthy, he was pretty good this year. And, and I was encouraged with what I saw. Struck out just 16 times in 124 plate appearances. Also walked 12 times. So almost as many walks as strikeouts. Again, it was only 124 plate appearances, but that shows me something. Um, you know, he was known for having a good approach in the minors, has elite speed when he's healthy. We'll see about the knee and how that might impact that. But, you know, this was someone who hit 12 homers with 14 steals over 104 games as a rookie in 2019. I think he's just super off the radar. The injuries are going to push him down value wise, where some managers might not keep him at all this offseason. But I think it would make sense to take a chance on him. And I could also see Senzel being a player that gets traded this offseason and, and could end up, you know, in a good situation. Cincinnati's a great situation for offense, but, you know, yeah. he could end up in a new situation where a team's willing to just give him a shot. Maybe it's a rebuilding team. Uh, they just let him play. But overall, I think mo mostly you have to just pray for health for Senzel. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's funny when we were talking about Senzel, I was like, ah, he's like, going to be like 29 or something like that. He's still only 26 and he doesn't yeah. turn 27 until the end of June. So there's plenty of time. Love the, the fact that he's going to probably be outfield and infield eligible for a while. That's yeah. one of the reasons to like him is that versatility. Um, well, concerning that he was thrown out seven of the, or five of the seven times that he tried to steal bases, but I have no doubts about the speed there as long as he's healthy. Yeah. I think he's a great buy low candidate. Lots of hitters figure it out uh, long term at this age. It is a baseball is a very hard sport and his talent. There's a reason he was the second overall pick. Um, another guy who has dealt with injuries throughout his career, but no question about the talent. I I'm buying low on Nate Pearson and I'm buying basically if I have to buy a little medium, I'm buying on Nate Pearson, too. I just believe in his stuff too much. And I understand that his his overall numbers in the majors have just been very, very poor, and he's dealt with more than his fair share of injuries. But you're talking about on the 2080 scale, you're talking about an 80 fastball, and you're talking about a 70-grade slider. Even if the Blue Jays move him to relief, I can't even, like, uh, if he can harness that stuff, imagine how good of a closer he can be. Like, we're talking about the type of closer that could get 100 strikeouts, which you just – don't see too often anymore these days, but Nary Pearson has that kind of stuff. But I, I do believe the Blue Jays still want him to be a starter. And the fact that he can miss so many bats and the fact that he's going to be playing behind an amazing offensive baseball team, as long as, as long as he's still in Toronto, even if he was moved, I would still have interest, but especially in Toronto, I still think there's an awful lot to like about Nate Pearson. So two prospects that I'm going to close it out with here. First Royce Lewis, mm. um, Former number one pick of the Twins in 2017. 
required surgery for a torn ACL uh, at the start of March. So forced to miss the entire season. This was going to be a huge year for him regardless. Uh, had sort of uneven results in his age 20 season. It was an aggressive promotion, though. High A and double A. Uh, had a good showing in the Arizona Fall League. So it looked like he had some momentum going into 2020. But, of course, no minor league season uh, due to COVID. So we're talking about a player who has not played in two full seasons. Right. Um, but there's the power. There's the speed. There's potentially someone who can be moved around. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortstop, outfield. Uh, you know, he did. He He wasn't like you know, frozen last year, you know, in 2020, he was working at the alternate site. Right. It's just unfortunate. We don't know what he, what he became. You know what I mean? Sure. He's going to be one of the most fascinating players to follow next year. The pedigree is still there. And from a, from a dynasty perspective it is incredibly difficult to rank him. And those are the kind of players that I want to go after. You know. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis's talent is unquestioned. Like the the power speed potential is through the roof, and I still think he can hit for a little better average than he showed in the minor leagues. Yeah. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy or not. But yeah, Royce Lewis is absolutely someone I'm targeting. And the other is Joey Bart. Um, I think at this point, you know, there were big expectations when he initially came up, and you know, going through the minors. But there are so many good prospect catchers right now. It's crazy. Yeah. Adley Rushman, Henry Davis, you know, new addition. Uh, Francisco Alvarez with the Mets, who I can't wait to see. Uh, Gabriel Moreno, uh, K. Barrett Ruiz with the Nationals. Now, I mean, I could go on. There's, there's a few more. Mm-hmm. But Bart, it seems, is getting lost in the shuffle now. You know, he spent the pretty much the entire year in AAA. Of course, Buster Posey has had a renaissance type of year, yeah. which is awesome and great That's and everything. Great. Sure. Um, but with the DH coming most likely next year, I think that'll be highly valuable for the Giants uh, to put Posey there, to put Brandon Belt there, kind of have a rotation going around. Um, and you can have Bart come up and catch maybe half the time. Sure. I don't think, and I, I'd like your opinion on this, I, I don't think Bart is going to be like, set it and forget it, top 10 fantasy catcher. But I think he can be mixed league relevant with a pretty good batting average decent amount of power. I think he's going to be still be a very good catcher as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the defense matters here too, because yeah. he is a solid backstop yeah. and you know, Buster Posey has the, the Renaissance has been nice, but he is a player who has dealt with injuries before and he has dealt with some mediocre results as well. And the giants clearly look like they're going to be a team that's in contention for a little while. Did not expect to be saying that, can't Evan Longoria's resurgence. I was talking about this on Twitter was one of my favorite stories of the year, but like, yeah, I think Bart can definitely be a solid backstop. I think he's a guy who has more real life value than fantasy value, but there, because of his position, I think that there is absolutely value there. And then my final guy, Carter Keboom, I can't quit you. I mean, I'm, I'm trying. (laughs) It's it's hard. You're, you're not doing a lot to make me uh, make my point eloquently, but I do think there were some real flashes He's currently going through some stuff again next year. My biggest concern, honestly, with Carter Keboom is he is just a horrendous defensive player wherever you put him. He's ranked in the bottom 30% in outs above average. It doesn't matter if he's at third. It doesn't matter if he's at short. He's a guy who could really use a DH position as well. But I can't ignore the fact that this was a guy who looked like he had 60 hit 
60 power and performed at the AAA level level uh, a couple of years ago. Outstanding. And even got off to a kind of hot start until a very poor start. If you're playing in a league where you can have a deeper dynasty roster, I'm still looking to have Carter Keeboom be a part of it. And I think a, a bonus for, for Keeboom, if you, if you want to, you know, acquire him uh, mm-hmm. this off season is that the nationals are rebuilding right. and it would be silly for them to quit on Keeboom at this point. They should just stick him in. Maybe, I don't know if he's going to play every day in the infield, but the point is give him regular bats all 2022 and see what happens. You know, and the Nationals can afford to do that next year. I don't think they're going to be trying to necessarily go all out to win. Um, So I think that's a bonus if if you try to acquire him this offseason. You know, the thing that was scary to me last year and the year before, he just could not barrel up a baseball. I think he had two... He had two barrels between 2019 and 2020 total. Uh, I think he already has either six or eight, Um, you know, in the limited time he's been up this year. It's not, that's not a huge number, but it's at least showing me, you know, yeah, it's, it's an improvement and he has a good approach at the plate. Like he, he is very patient. Um, Sometimes that can work against you, but sometimes when you see some of the most patient players have a high strikeout rate, Uh, Juan Moncada was an example of that when he, you know, when he first came up. Um, so I, I think just getting a year to play every day could be extremely valuable for him. And he's another player that you could probably get for pretty cheap. Um, so I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I like that one. And nice. you're mentioning Evan Longoria. And I think it's an interesting discussion, you know, from a dynasty's perspective, we'll close on this. I wonder how you feel about this. Like in the age where players can make adjustments and, suddenly turn into stars yeah why can't you know post 32 33 players who we usually give up on make an adjustment late in their careers and thrive yeah uh, especially like with now with we're so much better with like um health regimens and we have a better idea of how the body works and like giving these guys days off I think you you should see more of that. Like, I do think we're going to see much more players. I'm not talking about playing Julio Franco type of years where they're playing into their late 40s, maybe later than that. We really don't know. But it is – I do think that's a great point. I do think you're going to see some of that stuff. And Longoria is a great case for it. Like, he's showing more power than he was showing, like, when he was – he was a very, very good player with Tampa Bay. But he is having – just an outstanding season and it's fun to see, but I do think that's a great point. I do think we're going to see more players with these health regimens, with these better ideas of how to take care of their body, have better seasons as we get deeper into careers. Yeah. And I think from a dynasty perspective, that can be kind of an underrated player to go after uh, because everyone is looking to the future to get these kind of boring veteran players. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy. Yeah, and, and, like somebody came to me in fantasy uh, on Twitter today and said, I can keep Longoria for a dollar next year in a uh, free uh, free agent league. And I was like, at first I was like, well, that's kind of a weird one. But then I was like, yeah, like, why not? Like for a buck, if you have to replace him, great. But for like, if you only have to spend a dollar of your 260 bucks or whatever you're spending, I think that's an easy call the more I think about it, because what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, like right. if you drop them and have to pick up another dollar player, so be it. But yeah, it's, I think that's a great point. We do tend to, especially in dynasty leagues and 
as a prospect guy, I hope you keep doing it because it keeps me paid. We <laughs> tend to overrate the young players a little bit. Yeah. And like there's some really good ones. And I think you made a great point that we were so spoiled by Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna and these guys that they were so good so early. But it does take time. These guys do have to make the adjustments. And I think the lack of a minor league season hurt more than it helped. I mean, that the, they got better coaching, I think. But you cannot simulate what you get for playing in uh, those minor league games and having to make those adjustments against real pitching. Yep. So the new Moneyball, Moneyball 2, will all be players <laughs> over 35 years old. Oh, can I play, can I play uh, the, the um, I'll play Anthony Rendon, or uh, Anthony, I'll play Evan Lagoria in the movie. You can play, okay. uh, you can play uh, whatever starting pitcher is, you can play Rich Hill if you'd like. Okay. <laughs> I'm younger than Rich Hill. You, you picked a player who's younger than me oh, uh, I'm sorry. or older than me. I mean, no. that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen very much these days. So no, same uh, I, I really appreciate that. So uh, <laughs> we were going to do some matchup plays. I don't know if you're prepared to do that, Chris. Um, I actually have two. Um, okay, go for it. Brady Singer against Seattle. I really like that matchup. I think He's been kind of – it's funny that he's a Royal. He's been kind of Brett Saberhagen-y where he is the one bad start and then the good start. He's coming off a bad start. Seattle Mariner lineup is very beatable. And then Taylor Hearn. Taylor Hearn is just a really underrated – I don't love the matchup this weekend. I'm sorry I don't remember exactly yeah. uh, who Texas is going up against. They're going up against the White Sox. So it's yeah, risky, it's a, it's a but risky he's been one. so he's good. He's been really good. I think he's at least worth consideration if you're somebody who is just like – really trying to play catch up if you're if you're ahead wouldn't recommend taylor hearn but if you're playing, trying to play catch up i think hearn is a decent matchup yeah i have my eye on sunday rich hill is actually one of them that's funny nice. you mentioned that three era with 26 strikeouts and four walks and 27 innings over his last five starts he's been pitching deeper into games he's back to being a recommended option you know regardless of format not even necessarily streamer he should be rostered period john gray goes up against the nationals he he actually had two pretty respectable starts against the Giants and Braves, two of the toughest offenses right now. Uh, 15 to 3 strikeout to, rock, strikeout to walk ratio in those two starts. Uh, and Rockies are on the road. So uh, I know they're probably not going to hit, uh, but I think they just had their first winning road trip of the season. So yes, playing a little better correct. on the road these yeah, days. Yeah. It was clinched uh, with a rainout, but that is true. Yeah. <laughs> it did clinch. Technically. Winning, winning road trip of the season. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I'd go for gray as well. So nice. yeah, I mean, uh, you can see a bunch more. Uh, my weekly waiver wired column came out uh, earlier Thursday. Uh, I have three matchups for each day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, check that out on NBC sports and also you can download our app, which for a while I've been saying our new app. <laughs> I don't know if it's it's not. It's still kind of it's new. newer than some things like yeah. I think it's probably lost prospect eligibility, but it was definitely <laughs> one of the guys that but you wouldn't be underwriting this thing because it's it could win rookie of the year, though. It, it should win rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great thing, especially now that. Football season's here. So you can set player alerts for your fantasy rosters, which can be good or bad, yeah. uh, depending <laughs> on how you do in that particular day. Sure. Uh, but you can get real-time player updates, mobile alerts, You know, track your favorite players. Very useful. Uh, you can also, our articles are linked off of the app now, too. So it's it's really cool. Definitely go get it. I don't That's see why. You, if, you, if you're listening to this show or watching, you probably already have it. But if you don't, just go do that. If you like what you're hearing with this show, Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Chris is Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Thanks again, Chris, for coming on. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. All right. Be safe out there, and we will see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.